work to be done. And until the trumpet blasts and it got your ear tuned into it, you got stuff to do. And if you haven't heard it yet, you got stuff to do. Until that time comes. I don't care if you're on your last breath. I don't care if the trumpet doesn't come and there's still breath in you in the hospital. I don't care how it works. There's still time for you to do something for God. And that presence of him, if I can get used to that, I can. But what I can't get used to, and what I tried to get used to, was my anxiety, my depression. What I can't get used to is, is all that stuff. Because what happens is, is we get so content in it that we forget that God can free us sometimes. We accept certain things. I get people go through stuff. I'm not taking it lightly. I've been honest. I, I, I've been pretty open, and I've been pretty transparent about me. My wife, the same way. And I'm telling you, we can get so just as how it is now. But if you're new and if you're not, I'm going to say it one more time. If you can't read, I'll, I'll, I'll say it for you. We declare war. Can't see it? We declare war. We declare war on anxiety. I've, I've, I've wrestled with this. It's Christmas season. Let's talk about the gift and the hope and the baby Jesus, and the, which I'm not saying is all wrong. But a God would not shake me and stop me from talking about this very thing now. So if it's on God's heart, it needs to be on my heart. And I'm going to speak that. Whoo. Amen. Let me get into this. Mark chapter 7, verse 32 through 35. There were some people, there's some people that brought to him a man, to him, Jesus, a man who was deaf and could barely talk. And they begged Jesus to place his hands on him. After he took him to the side, away from the crowd, Jesus put his finger into the man's ear and he spit and touched the man's tongue. He looked up to heaven with a deep sigh and said to him, Ephatha, which means be opened. Does anybody else need to hear that word, be opened? Be opened, Ephatha. And this man's ears opened up and his tongue was loosened. And he began to speak plainly. What an incredible story. I was watching a video and it was a guy talking about this professor of human development that he did research and in his study with human development he was doing research with these senior citizens and he ended up surveying 1200 senior citizens what he discovered in a study was at the end of their life and the things that they reflected on at the end of their life 
they all, 1,200, said the same thing. They wished they wouldn't have worried as much. As they reflected on their whole life, the biggest thing said was, I wish I wouldn't have worried as much. I heard somebody say that 85% of the things that we worry about never happen. We've been talking about this for weeks and weeks and weeks, this scripture. It's not going anywhere. It's not old news. It's good news. It's relevant news. It's today's news. It's breaking news. Philippians 4, 6, and 7. Do not be anxious about anything. Somebody shout anything. Anything. But in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. Verse 7. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your mind in Christ Jesus. Amen? Will guard your hearts. Do not be anxious about anything. But with everything, anxious about anything, but with everything, about anything, but with everything, present. There's another scripture that says, cast all your anxieties. Put it all, give all the petitions to God. Cast everything and anything to God. He cares for you. How many of us could use some extra peace today? Yeah. I mean, honestly, I haven't met anyone who says, you know, I got enough peace today. You know what? I'm good. I'm full of peace. I'm just too peaceful. I got it. I got it. I'm good. We can all agree online, in the house, that we could all use some extra peace. Ah, I'm pretty good on my peace. I'm good. I got what I need. Nobody says these things. But sometimes we don't want to have that conversation or accept that peace that we need. We all need peace. <laughs> I'll say it like this. If you're taking notes, it's going to help you in heaven. Kind of get you to the front of the line at times. You'll retain it better. Peace isn't found in the absence of problems. True peace is found in the presence of God. Let me say that again. Peace isn't found in the absence of problems. Absence of problems. True peace is found in the presence of God. But too many times we want to look at absence of problems and call it peace. We try to hide our problems and cover them up and think it causes peace. These are the things I'm going through. So, well, I'll just sweep it under the rug. You know, I might just put it in the closet. You know what? If I dig a hole, I can bury it in the backyard. Now, we all got junk drawers. Some of us got more than junk drawers. We got drunk closets, junk garages. Now, I'll, I'll say this. Just recently, and, it, and it's been just over time, it's not like we just decided when we moved into this house and said, you know what? 
this closet looks like a great junk closet. What do you do? You put everything where you think it needs to go, and over time, with neglect and just in a hurry, we just throw stuff in it. And we got to a place where we were getting frustrated and running out of room. Now, we started running out of room because we neglected a room that could be used. But we want to blame God for the blessing of the home and not having enough room when we could have just taken care of the room he gave us and did it the right way. But yet, in the absence of problems, out of sight, out of mind, doesn't mean you have peace. It just means you hit it. So just recently, we had to clean out this closet. And we got rid of a bunch of stuff. And um, I mean, if we're going to be honest, a lot of it was mine. You know, like, okay, whatever, move on. She's not here to, yeah. Um, <laughs> she would say amen and all that kind of stuff. So, but I'll say this. When we, when we look at the absence of problems, we tried to hide it. We, out of sight, out of mind. And I'll say this real clear. Eventually, the door is going to open to the closet. The rug is going to be moved, and the dog might dig up the hole. You see what I'm saying? Eventually, what you hide will be exposed. What you hide will be exposed, and you will not have peace. You are left in pieces. But we call it peace. Too many times we think the absence of problems creates peace, but all it does, church, is create problems. Too many times people think the absence of problems is hiding the problems and putting them, <laughs> trying to use my words wisely today. <sighs> Too many times we think that the absence of problems is hiding the problem and putting a God stamp on it and calling it peace. It is not a God card because you hid what you know is wrong. That's not called peace. That's pieces. That's problems. That's hidden. And what is hidden? Always, no matter what, comes to the light. We want true peace. We got to quit hiding things. Give it. Cast it to the Lord. Well, if I hide this, because I don't want to deal with this, and I don't want it's gonna, to, it's going to mess up what the plan is. And it's going to, I'm telling you right now, I'd rather be in the presence of God with nothing than full of everything, not in his presence. Simple as that. Too many times we put that stamp on. True peace is found in the presence of God. And like the scripture said, casting all your problems, all your anxieties on God, casting it, like we've talked about, like throwing it, getting pretty pretty solid in your core, getting ready on that boat, because it's kind of shaky when you grab the net and you fling it out. But you cast it out, and you let go. You give it to God. It, it, it's crazy. Because if you don't, it's still going to be there. If you do the absence of problems by hiding it, you, you still know that it's going to be there. Some people don't like sweep good, so you find food in the corners and stuff, and it's gross. Guess what that does? It grows other things. starts to develop other things. You, you sweep uh, dust under the uh, rug. Guess what happens? 
it will still be dust under the rug. Students, when you hide your chonies under the bed, they're still there. They just whistle. You whistle for them, they're going to walk to you eventually. And your socks and all the other stuff. You see what I'm saying? Like, oh, I did that. I put it away. No, you threw it back into dirty clothes. No, it's actually under your bed. You know what I mean? Like, and, and here's the crazy part. Then we look for it, and then you know how some students are. They'll be putting that stuff back on, like, like it's clean. You nasty. You got stuff going on. <laughs> but here's the reality of it. You know you did it. You know where it is. You know what you're doing isn't right. You know exactly where it is that you hid or that you put somewhere. My goodness. Hiding your problems and acting like everything's okay is not true peace. It's still going to be there. You still know it's there. And like I said in the, the Bible, in Luke 12, 2 and 3, it says, The time is coming when everything that is covered up will be revealed, and all that is in secret will be made known to all. I'll tell you what, I don't want to hide anything. I want to go ahead and cast it to God because how crazy is that of a mess you got to clean up now? Because you chose to hide it and it came to the light and it, it got all kinds of stuff jacked up. Why not just give it to God so you don't have a mess to clean up? Why not just do the right thing so there's not a mess? That's where true peace is. We could all use some peace. We've all agreed on it. But quit creating problems. We make we make more problems for ourselves than anything else, and we blame everybody else for it. We can have true peace. See, listen, it's real simple. When you give it to God, he takes it, he gets rid of it, and you have peace. Is that pretty simple? When you keep it, when you hide it, and you act like nobody knows about it, the enemy will help hide it. He'll bring it back and use it against you, and you're left in pieces. Now, which peace do you want? Pieces or the peace of God? Which peace are you living in today? But we can all agree on this. We could all use some more peace. I think you just have to figure out, am I causing more problems than anything on the trying to get the peace of God? And I'll say this, and I'm going to keep moving on in this, in this sermon. True peace, I'm telling you, if there's things that's under the rug or in the closet or in the hole, it all will get exposed. Might as well clean up your mess and go forward. Just go forward. It's okay. Just move forward. He's, he's got work for you to do, and the more you keep lingering and hiding your crap, basically, the more time you're wasting that God's trying to use you, and then when God uses somebody else and you get butt hurt, it's because you didn't want to do the right thing. Because it still says in the word, there's still a remnant trying to do the right thing. So God's going to use the remnant that's going to keep doing the right thing. We all could use peace. It is amazing at the end of that, uh, that study with those 1,200 senior citizens that they were wishing they could go back and not worry as much. They wish they could go back and not worry. I guess, we, I, guess I could say it like this. We kind of know what's going to be said at the end of our life. We kind of know what's going to be said. I mean, we could all go back and say, well, we could start talking now, but we could maybe go back and be like, you know, I wish I would have worried less. I wish I would have worried less. 
I guess the question is, if we know what's going to be said at the end of our life, here's the question. How do we conquer it here and now? How do we conquer worry and anxiety? How do we conquer these things here and now? What's wild is Paul wrote this. Do you realize Paul wrote this over 2,000 years ago? Does that make sense? 2,021 years ago. Like, we're reading the Bible that's still relevant from when it was written. How culture has changed and technology, but the Word of God is still the same? Over 2,000 years ago, speaking to people and telling them, don't be anxious about anything, but in everything, pray in thanksgiving and present your requests to God. I think people have a hard time with that peace thing and presenting a request to God because God's going to probably look right back at them and say, lift the rug, open the door, dig the hole. Well, God, I got a request. Well, I got one for you too. Why don't you move that rug and sweep that out real quick? Why don't you empty that vessel that you keep filling with other things so I can do what your requester is asking? Is that good? It's good for me. And it's a reality check for our own selves. He says that the peace of God is not circumstantial. God's peace is not based on your exterior environment. It's not based on your surrounding. Yes, did I have a peaceful time when I went to Florida? Absolutely. I didn't hate to say this, and I love my kids. My kids in here, some of them are. Yeah, whatever. I didn't think about them. <laughs> I love them. It wasn't a thing. All I thought about was that good-looking girl next to me and some fruit and that beach that was looking at me. And, and that's all I did. And I was like, that is so peaceful. But me escaping and saying, oh, I just got to get out of terrible hope or terrible hope's bad. or Wherever you go, you will find something wrong with it if that's your mindset. Just saying. You will have peace wherever you land your feet because God directs your path. I don't care if it's in the hood or wherever it is. You can be in a peaceful state no matter what you do. But we think that it's, it's, it's with the environment. God's peace starts from the inside out, not the outside in. It is nice to have. Uh, it's peaceful. It's, it's quiet. Like my wife, when she deals with stuff, sometimes like a dirty house has no peace in her life. Like, if her house is a mess, I'm just being real. If her house is kind of is a mess, she don't feel peaceful because she's like, I got to sweep the floor, I'm barefoot, and I'm stepping on stuff, and that's gross, and I don't like that. I got to have a peace. Me, part of my peacefulness is I got to have a clean house. That's what she says. And that's fine. I'd rather have a clean house than nasty trap house. You know what I'm saying? Like, just being real. That's, I'd rather have a nice home that's clean. That's me personally. Now, some people don't care. They live like whatever. But... For us, that's, that's how we are. That, that feels peaceful. But true peace starts on the inside no matter what everything looks like. Oh. And what's crazy is this type of peace transcends everything you go through. Not only does God's peace guard your heart, God's peace will guard your mind. Can I be clear about something? God cares about your mental health. God cares about your mental health. That's the truth. He cares. 
Because, again, 2,000 years ago, he gave us a remedy. He gave us a prescription towards your mental health. He wants to give you peace. He wants to give you peace of mind. He wants to have peace that passes all understanding. And he gave us this remedy and this prescription, and he just says it right off the bat, do not be anxious about anything. And now if we're getting anxious, we have a choice, because nobody made you get anxious. You chose to get anxious. Do not be anxious about anything. And here's what's crazy. The word anxious comes from the, the word worried. When you begin to study the word worried, we're going, we're going to go to school real quick. The original language and in the English, you'll get some uh, synonyms that show up with it. Worried in its original meaning is to choke or to strangle. To choke or to strangle. I think some of us, many of us, feel like we are being strangled by our situation. We are being choked by our situation. Our situation is almost causing us to tap out. You might find it difficult to breathe. It's a heaviness. Maybe it's because your job is demanding. Or it's just crazy at your job. Maybe it's because your family's so demanding. That happens. Maybe it's because you don't want to let anybody down around you. That's a huge thing. Maybe it's because you failed in the past and now you're trying to overcompensate for it. Maybe you're going through some hurts and through some hangups. And there's gloom in your life right now. So many of us, when we hear choke, when we hear strangle, because it resonates with us because of the stuff we're going through and the circumstances at hand right now. And maybe that's why your breathing's off and you find it difficult to breathe. If that's you, I want to encourage you today online, if you're watching it later, you're hearing the podcast or you're in this room, I want to encourage you. You've come to the right place. You've come to the right channel. You've come to the right place right here in this moment. I want to let you know that God won't leave you in this state. Amen? He doesn't say, there's no way through it. He doesn't say, Get some more willpower. God's true peace can help you through it. Doctors can't answer it. Scientists can't solve it. It is the peace that passes all understanding. Nothing but who Christ is. It passes everything. It stumps all the doctors, all the doctorates, all the, the studies, all the scrolls trying to be rolled out. It stumps it all because it's peace that passes all understanding. When the understanding of our thoughts stop, it still passes that and it gives you peace. And that's what's crazy. 
That's the access we have to God today, church. That's what we have. And here's what's crazy. The reason I don't have to show, to ask for a show of hands and how you feel, and if you're having a hard time breathing or you're struggling right now, I don't even have to have a show of hands. Or do you feel this situation is strangling you? Do you feel like you're being choked or or the circumstances are overbearing and stuff's going on? I don't have to. Because we don't even have to take a poll in this room because what research has already said and tells us they have never seen anxiety at this point in society ever before. Ever before. Just from August 2020 to April 2021, it has rose 40% and still rising right now. Which there was, I told you at the very beginning of this, of the millions and millions, it has gone up over and above. It keeps rising to the top. And, and now, let's be real, we all had an ex- a shared experience in the pandemic where it was tough and felt choked and you felt, felt that anxiety rising. We all shared in that. There was a point where we couldn't go anywhere. We couldn't even meet together. Where mask was so mandated you couldn't do anything but go in there. It, it was even a crazy point where you know it's crazy when you, when you go to the bank and you got to wear a mask. I felt like robbing it, you know? No. <laughs> like I'm walking in with a mask and a hood on. Like take your hood off and leave your mask on. I'm like for real? What's my name? You know? <laughs> got to have a, some kind of a name. Not Jesse James or, you know what I'm saying? But you know it's crazy when you got to wear a mask in the bank. You know it's got crazy when you're wearing a mask in the bank. Please wear your mask. We don't want to know your identification, you know. <laughs> I, and, and, and here's the reality. I don't know what your drug of choice is. CNN or Fox News, both are serving you one way or another. They're serving it to you one way or another. I don't care what side of, you know, which one represents what. They're both serving it to you. You're opening your mouth and you're getting a teaspoon and another teaspoon and another teaspoon. I don't care what podcast or radio station you look, you're still getting it served to you. (laughs) But here's what is happening. It's not producing a lot of peace, if you know what I mean. When it's getting served to you, It's not producing peace, but whose choice was that to turn that news on? Whose choice was that to turn on that? Whose choice? Did somebody hold that? Somebody got a gun, hold it to you and make you listen to it. Like it doesn't produce a lot of peace, but why do we put ourselves in a situation that causes us to lose our peace quick? We don't like that certain medicine and it tastes nasty. Woo! But we'll keep on opening our mouth. Like, we're, like we've just lost it. Just open your mouth. Okay. CNN. Fox News. Whatever show. Whatever podcast that says it. Seth Rogen. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, we just keep opening our mouth to it. And we wonder why. Because it starts to get us. And we start to think. And it starts to lose peace. And it gets us a little anxious. And whatever your drug is, it's crazy. But it doesn't produce it. I say this, and this is kind of a, this whole thing is, 
Just, I want to give you some knowledge. I want, I want you to understand a few things. And, and here's another one. We've been talking about anxiety. But let me tell you something. Depression is on the rise. Can I say that one more time? Depression is on the rise. Antidepressants have never been subscribed quicker and faster than ever before right now in this moment. Ever before. Ever. Now, I don't know if you've been here and my wife's told her story about how she got very depressed in a moment. And I, I had trouble with it because I was looking at stuff and like, man, we just got this building. I'm all hyped up about everything. And she was struggling, but I was so consumed with everything else that I missed my wife. Like we talked about this. And she's talked about it. And if you want her to, you know, to talk to her about it, she, she's very open about it. The struggle she had. I'm telling you, depression is on the rise. Let me say something else. I know this is a heavy. Would you believe that there are twice as many suicides in America than homicides in America? Twice as many suicides. Are you ready for this one? Suicide is the second leading cause of death between ages of 11 and 30-year-olds in America. Suicide is the second largest leading of death with teenagers and young adults in America. It kind of changes the way you think about parenting at this moment. I mean, because as a parent, you get your kids ready for everything. <coughs> at least you try to get your kids ready for everything. This is the stuff you should be eating. This isn't healthy for you. Make sure you look both ways when you're walking. Don't just walk across the street. Don't talk to strangers. I mean, we get them ready for everything. Hey, wear a helmet when you're riding your bike. You need to learn how to swim. My kids, because Nana has a pool, my kids were swimming when they were able to walk. We were like teaching them how to swim. Because of what's the worst case scenario? We don't want to come out in this pool and one of our kids is dead in it. We're going to teach them how to swim. So as a parent, we're preparing them for everything. We have rules for everything. We're prepared for life in everything. But here's the reality. Nobody's telling some parents also that they should add to the list. You should teach your kids how to live. And not end their life. Suicide is the second leading cause of death in America with teenagers and young adults. I would say this publicly that we have another pandemic amongst us. I would say this also, if somebody's going to bring the good news, if somebody's going to be the answer, I believe that the body of Christ, the church needs to be a voice letting people know there's hope, that there is hope. There are people that are hurting, and there's people that are hurting in this place. And maybe you're here, or you're listening to this, and you're hanging in the balance. And maybe you've thought this, is life worth living for? Please let me answer it for you. Yes, it is. Life is worth living for. Don't buy the lie of the enemy to say life's not worth living for. It is worth living for. 
You don't have to die to end your pain. Don't buy the lie. Don't buy the lie. Suicide is always this permanent solution to a temporary problem. I know this is heavy today, but if we're going to declare war, we better declare war. Too many times in the youth, we would hear another story of a teenager being gone. Another story of a kid that just didn't have it all together. Or online, a kid that didn't, video games made him mad, he didn't win, so he just killed himself. Or, and and we, we, we chuckle at stuff like that, but their life ended. Or kids thinking that because the way their parents aren't together anymore might be thinking that it's their fault, so they have thoughts. We got to be more aware And I say this, please hear me today. You are loved, you're needed, and you're known. You're loved, you're needed, and you're known. And I know there's people that are hanging on dear life right now. You're known. Just want to remind you to take a deep breath. If anything... We need to take a deep breath. And I know as I said it, some of you already started to try it. Because there's life. There's life in your lungs. There's life right at your hands. God has a plan. Breathing has practical implications. And it also has spiritual ones. Do you know that we take 22,000 breaths a day? That's a lot of breathing. And do you realize that every breath is a gift from God? Sometimes when you're younger, you don't think that. But when you get older, you just thank God for the next breath you got. That you got out of bed. That you were able to take another deep breath. Do you realize, let me stop real quick and say this. That God stooped down and created you. Okay? And in that, I don't know if you realize this about the body. The body is a unique thing. Do you know how fast the body heals itself? Like, God created us. And it's, it's better for the body to heal itself. When you get a splinter and you don't mess with it, guess what the body does to it? Pushes it out. The body does something incredible. When you take a deep breath, guess what the body does? It's working in your favor. God created you to do these things. Now, there's been times of people in different situations where people try to find their zen and do all this crazy stuff with their body. But I'm telling you, God's the one who breathed the life in you. He's the one that gave you that. And he can help you through that. Let me tell you real quick. When you take a deep inhale, it slightly increases your heart rate. When you exhale, it slows your heart rate down. What happens is the more you take deep inhales and exhales, you start to get your heart rate on the same pace as your breathing. And when people are struggling, what do they tell them? Just take a deep breath. Slow down. 
Just take a deep breath. I don't think you realize that God already created you. and All you have to do is start being in tune with who God is in your body and start taking a deep breath in your situation. We won't talk about that, do we? We won't take a deep breath with something else lit in it and other things and take a deep breath with a glass of wine and take a deep breath with a smoke. It, you know, oh, better stop. Better stop because we find peace other ways, don't we? Woo, amen. What's powerful is you get it all in line. It begins to release those endorphins in your brain. I'm, I'm giving you some lessons here, so we, well, I'm going to dig into this. Endorphins are those chemicals that go into your body that have natural calming effects to your body, which will naturally calm you down. Take a deep breath. Just breathe. Just breathe. You got this. Just breathe. Just take a deep breath breath kind of powerful because in many ways breathing and controlling your breath is one of the most natural pathways to managing your anxiety a natural way to manage your anxiety is you just controlling how you breathe so powerful to think of It's within my breath, I can release the endorphins in my brain, which is going to calm my body down. I can take a deep breath and release that and calm myself down. What is suicide? Suicide is literally stopping your breath. What does anxiety do? Anxiety has the ability to attack your breath and hyperventilate what does depression do? Depression starts to slow your breath. When you get natural endorphins into your body, all these things are attacking your breath. What we want to say as a church, practically, is just breathe, church. Take a deep breath. Just breathe. It's going to be okay. Take a deep breath. You know, sometimes you see me, and I work out, and I'm at church before church, and I, whatever, and I work out. You know why I do that? Because when I have to take a deep breath, and I'm working out and working muscles and stuff like that, I'm focused. It's releasing, and I can calm my, my heart rate and keep focused. Maybe more for sanity than anything. <laughs> it releases. Just breathe. And here's the thing. Breathing is anchored in the present moment that's all we can deal with is now breathing is now we're breathing God's peace isn't in the future and it's not in the past God's peace is in the present right now in this moment just breathe and everything about anxiety and everything about depression and everything about mental illness it's trying to take you everywhere else but here. Everywhere else but here. The challenge for you is to be here right now in this moment. To get quiet. 
to get quiet, to experience the presence of God. Here. Now. I pray for these young adults and these teenagers and these kids growing up. I mean, we got so much social media, and I'm not against it all, but they live every 10 seconds. Everything's so fast. There's nobody slowing down to do nothing. And we used to say it back in the day, man, it's like a microwave. It ain't even fast enough, blah, blah, blah. I mean, you got kids now that are just viewing stuff in 10 seconds and being able to view the whole thing and make a decision over the whole thing, and, and it's gone. And there's no just slowing down and breathing and being in the presence of God. Being in the presence of God, if it lasts 10 seconds, I'll stay. But if it's more than 10 seconds, I'm out. But now we got adults trapped in it. Not saying that social media is bad. It's not. But when you get so trapped in it, you start living your life like that. Got to be careful and just breathe. I guess one thing I can tell you right now about this whole breathing thing, that uh, it's always available. You know what I mean? Just go ahead. It's available. I mean, it, it is kind of weird, and, and I bet when we first noticed this, like you had to pay for air, just like when you had to pay for water, when that was the first time that happened, like I'm paying for air, like air in a can, and air for my tires, and air. If they could, they would try to capitalize on the air we breathe. But it's available now. You can breathe. It's always available right here in this moment. It's not available tomorrow because we're not guaranteed tomorrow. But in this moment, we're available. We can't go back and try to get some of that, that air. It's only available right here, right now. What else does it do? It teaches us to let go. When we exhale, I can't carry the shame of yesterday. You can't carry your performance of three days ago. And what you've done three days ago. You can't carry that. You have to let it go. All you have right now is here today. There are practical ways of just breathing. But how many know that there are some spiritual ways also? Because we like that spiritual stuff, and sometimes we forget about the practical. And listen, I'm, I'm all about the spiritual stuff, and it's, it's, it is truth. But if God created us in our flesh, why would we be pretty uh, consistent at doing the right thing with our body, physically? Like taking deep breaths, like being able to calm down. Why do I have to take a pill to calm me down when I can take a deep breath to calm me down? I'm not saying that all pills are bad or not. Just hear me out. But... I'm, what I'm saying is we don't want to apply. God created us to, to do this stuff, and we don't do it. it. It gets all twisted up. Very powerful when you start looking at God's word when it comes to breathing and breath. Genesis 1, 1 and 2. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. In almost every major language, spirit and breath are interchangeable words. This is the very beginning of the story of creation. And creation has not yet been formed. 
There's darkness everywhere. There's chaos everywhere. And the Bible says the Spirit of God or the breath of God hovered over chaos. Let me encourage some of you today that creation is formed out of chaos. If you are facing chaos right now, there's chaos in your life, just hang on and take a deep breath because creation is on the other side of chaos. Every end has a new beginning. The breath of God was hovering over chaos. I thank God that he hovers over my chaos, that he can breathe life into this chaos and create creation in me, create something new. So if there's chaos in your life, let the Holy Spirit breathe on you today. Just take a deep breath. Genesis 2.7 says, Then the Lord God formed man from the dust of the ground. We dirty. Formed man from the dust of the ground. He breathed the breath of life into the man's nostrils. And the man became a living person. How was man formed? Man was dirt. God came and breathed life into dirt. I'll tell you this. If you got some dirt in your life, just breathe. Just breathe. Got dirt? Breathe. God can take dirt and he can breathe life into it. And life can come out of dirt. I got enough dirt on my life. I got enough. God can bring life into that dirt. Quit beating yourself up. There's like artistry that comes out of the dirt. Humanity comes out of the dirt. God says, let me breathe on it. Something's going to form. Something's going to shape. We inhale his grace. We exhale his praises. Let me say it again. We inhale his grace. We exhale his praises. It's pouring. It's hard to say hallelujah inhaling. It's very challenging to say hallelujah when you're inhaling. Because hallelujah is only meant for the exhale. And I know some of y'all crazy folks in your mind have already tried it right here in your seat. Yeah. Hallelujah. 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 And you looked at each other because I saw about three of you do it. <laughs> Bunch of, man, you, got, you be chasing squirrels all day. Hallelujah. 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 <laughs> I got to take a drink. That jacked me up. <laughs> but <clears throat> how funny it is, it's the truth. Hallelujah is meant to be exhaled because it's the praises of God. We inhale his grace. We exhale hallelujah. That's what it's meant. Hallelujah. What hallelujah means is God be praised. Uttered in worship or expressing and rejoicing. 
Did you know? Hallelujah. <sighs> hallelujah. Did you know hallelujah is the same in every language on earth? <laughs> in every language on the planet earth, hallelujah, God be praised, is the same language all over the earth. So when you say hallelujah, the other tribes are going to understand it. Hallelujah, they're all going to understand it. God be praised. We inhale his grace. We exhale his praise. Psalm 156 and Amplified says, Let everything that has breath, every breath of life, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Everything, everything, praise the Lord. So the question is, is when does life end? Is it when you stop breathing? Or is it when you stop saying God's name? Because I know life begins when I end. The moment I end, I die of my flesh and I live by the Spirit, that's when I begin. Don't start dying because you're not saying hallelujah. God be praised. God be praised. What is coming out of your mouth more than anything? You know, let me tell you what's coming out of your mouth. I, it's real simple. You let me tell you. All I need to do is line you guys up at the front door and slam your finger in it. And most of the time, the first thing coming out of your mouth is what's on the tip of your tongue and in your heart. <laughs> Just being real. We all, we all, hey, can we thank God we're a work in progress? Because some people be cussing. I know my mama be saying, God bless America, and I'm glad you're blessing it. And so I don't know if we're saying hallelujah. But sometimes it's what's in the depths of our hearts because we've still got work to be done inside. But when you when you force to say the right things, you start to develop a habit of praise. And it's so, so good. Daniel's going to serenade me at the last part of this. Hallelujah. I'm almost done. Is this good, guys? I'm almost done. You're, we ain't got no more turkey, so we're, we're good. So I'm almost, let me get through this. I, I got to give you the back end of this because it's so powerful. So you might wait just a few minutes, Daniel, for you. you get spiritual. <laughs> I want to encourage you today that if you are in Christ, if you have surrendered your life to God, he has breathed into you. You have been formed in his image. He declares over your life, this is what God declares over your life. I approve of you. Good. I accept you, and I love you. There's a great story in the New Testament. Jesus, after he's gone to the cross, after he's resurrected from the grave, Jesus is telling his disciples to, uh, I'm going to give you the Holy Spirit. And watch what he says. In, in this 
John 20, 20, 21, but I'll start at the beginning. He says, peace be with you. He's already gone to the cross. He says, peace be with you. He's saying, peace be with you. It's because they were pretty anxious. He just died. They locked themselves in a room, and he says, peace be with you. They were very worried. Life was strangling them. They were considered terrorists because they were Christ's followers. They felt like they have been choking, that life was choking them out. Wait a minute. Peace be with you. You've left us. Wait a minute. Peace be with you. I've already lost you once on the cross. I don't want to lose you again. There's no way we can make it on this earth without you, Jesus. Basically what they're saying. And Jesus is saying, I know your circumstance looks tough. I know it looks dark all around you. This is over 2,000 years ago, but it's today. I know you don't understand how you're going to make it from one day to the next. But I have come for you to have peace. My peace transcends. In the second part of that scripture, he says, as the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And it says this. It's so powerful. And it says, and with his, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. With this, he breathed on them. Before giving them the Holy Spirit, Jesus stops and breathes on them. You know what the Holy Spirit does in your life, according to the scripture? It says that the Holy Spirit is a comforter and a counselor. Jesus is speaking to a group of people who are anxious, worried. And before he even sends the Spirit, he breathes on them. And after he breathes on them, they receive the greatest comfort, the greatest counselor they could ever have. I tell you, there is no counselor like the Holy Spirit, church. Amen? There was no comforter like the Holy Spirit. Just breathe. Just take a deep breath. The greatest counselor, the greatest comforter. In Mark 7, we meet a guy. I read it at the very beginning. I'm going to reread it real quick, and I'm going to land right here with this. We meet a guy who is sick. And what is his sickness? He's deaf. And a part of his other sickness is he can't talk because if he can't hear the word, you're not going to know what to say. So he's deaf and he can't speak. We meet a guy who's sick and he's struggling. And I want to land on this story and I want to make a very clear point. I want to make it public and I want to make it loud and clear that you, the church, and anybody watching and anybody viewing this later, hears this very loud and clear. As we move forward from this point, and it is this, it is not a sin to be sick. Let's go ahead and let that sink in real quick. It is not a sin to be sick. I don't know what it is, but in the church world and in the faith world, it's like this stigma attached to it, attached to even mental health, and, and somehow we don't see it the same way as other sickness. 
And I'll say it like this. If somebody walked in here to Remnant Church and they had a cast on their leg and they were walking with crutches and there was a, a limp in their situation, I will tell you this right now. That immediately you would see the host team do whatever they can to greet them, make them feel welcome, give up a seat, put a chair in front of them so they can prop their leg up, do whatever they can to make them feel comfortable as they are here. We would do whatever we can. We've seen it happen here. Out of the way, go way out of their way to see and to do whatever it takes because we see that you have crutches. We see that you're hurting and you're in need. Let me give up my seat. Take the end seat. You have more room with your leg propped out. We'll put something there. We won't let nobody walk in that path because we want to make sure you're okay. And maybe closer to the back so if you have to leave, it's okay. What do we do? And we start to be hospitable. What do we do? We start to serve the sick person. Why? Because we see clearly that they're broken their leg and their body is hurting. We clearly see that they're struggling and we go quick to serve. But when it comes to mental health, there is no outward signs that we quickly see as someone walks in the door. And before you know it, we start to do this. These people are sick or they're going through something, maybe anxiety, maybe going through depression. And many times there's no extra care given. Are we being raw in here today? Many times when somebody's going through anxiety, depression, or whatever the case is, there's no extra care given because nobody sees it. There's no sympathy or empathy. And many times just because, let's just be real, we're just unequipped in the body of Christ. When someone says, I'm dealing with anxiety, our best response is you haven't been praying enough. And the same is for depression. Our best response as the body of Christ. Can I say something loud and clear? We have to be better as Christians in recognizing these problems. As a church, it is not a sin to be sick. Sickness is not, can I say it to you loud and clear? This might set you free today. Sickness is not your identity. Sickness is not your weakness. It is something you are going through. It does not define you. Amen. Anybody thankful they're going through it? They're not stuck in it. They're going through it. Oh, I'm just going through some problems. Good, keep going. There's hope. The problem is, is when you sit in it, Get up and keep going through it. You're going to get out, I promise. Hallelujah. Keep going. And there's a crowd. There's, a, there's people waiting for you on the other side. Let's go. Keep coming. It doesn't define us. I want to make sure that we are removing always at Remnant Church that thought. I want to remove that here at this church. I want people to understand that Remnant Church, we are here. 
We are here to serve people going through difficult times and challenging times. And certainly if you're going through these things right now today, we want to be a community that embraces you, that loves you, and that helps you today. Mark chapter 7, we meet a guy who's sick, and the people in the community, are you sick? Do you need help today? You're loved. You need someone to serve you? You're loved. Chapter 7, verse 32. There were some people brought him, brought him a man, Jesus, a man, who was deaf and hardly could talk. And they begged Jesus to place his hands on him. I got a couple points and, I, and we got to go. I know the service has gone a little longer, but I ain't worried about that. Point one, if you're writing notes. Silence doesn't protect you. Silence. Hello? Silence doesn't protect you. The man's deaf. And because he's deaf, he's unable to speak and he's unable to get the words out that need to be out. I think whenever we're dealing with the form of anxiety, depression, the lie of the enemy is, it's not a big deal. Don't say anything. We lie to ourselves and just say, I'm just going to get through this on my own. Silence is not going to protect you, church. I promise. We tell ourselves that. I'll make it on my own, by myself. I've come this far by myself, I might as well keep doing it. Silence will not protect you. Here's a man in chapter 7. He's unable to express what he needs. He's unable to express he needs Jesus. He can't speak. When I look at people that deal with anxiety and deal with depression, so often I'm so shook on how many of us going through things don't tell anybody about it. When we're going through it, don't tell nobody about it. Try to deal with it until it blows up. Please talk to somebody before it blows up. It will be better. Silence will not protect you. Our job as a church, more than anything, our job as a church more than anything is to simply create an environment where people are able to be honest and express themselves more often than not. Amen. That should be liberating to you. That you can come to a place that you can be open and honest and transparent and that it will be okay. Just focus. Our job. That's the goal to create a healthy community where you can communicate. Whether it's church-related, work-related, marriage-related, relationship-related, the lack of communication destroys everything. It leaves assumption, and assumption leaves an imagination, and imagination will take you for a ride you don't want to go. Communicate. And a lot of times, depression, what depression is, is not being able to talk about your problems while taking on everyone else's just to hide your own. Can I say that again? 
Depression is not being able to talk about your problems while taking on everyone else just to hide your own. If you've ever been there before, when you yourself are going through such a struggle, through such a dark place, and somehow, I've seen this happen so many times and it does not work well. And somehow your mechanism for going through this is to say, well, tell me your problems and then you just take them on while you are suffering and compressing your own problems down. If I can just take on somebody else's problems, I won't have to worry about mine. That's kind of like where it becomes that out of sight, out of mind. If I can focus on somebody else's, mine won't be as bad. I can push it down more. Maybe that's you. I don't know. Silence doesn't protect you. We can solve just about any problem here in this community together. But how many know this? We can't solve problems we don't know about. You've got to open your mouth and speak up. Even if your voice is shaky, why you do it? Whatever you can't talk about controls you. One more time. Whatever you can't talk about controls you. One of the ways to disarm the power, one of the basic ways to fight back against anxiety and depression is you talk about it. Amen? You talk about what you struggle with. We declare war on it. We got to talk about it. Bring it to the light. I don't know what it is, but anxiety and depression do not like being in the light. They keep isolated. They want to keep you in the dark. They want to keep you just dealing with it on your own. In your own room. In your own mind. In your own space. And let me tell you, church, the burden is way too heavy. You have to give voice to the pain you are going through inside. Give it voice. Silence will not protect you. Mark 7.33, the next part of that scripture, it says, after he took him to the side away from the crowd, after he took him to the side away from the crowd, the, that first point, just right there to the comma. Next point I want to say as I end this, crowds won't heal you. Can I say it again? Crowds won't heal you. Today, if you're here and you're in this room and you're a part of a crowd and we're thankful and maybe you're struggling and you're watching, so often we just get around the crowd and gather in groups. We get inspired in the crowd, but we get healed when we get along with Jesus. We get healed when we get along with Jesus. Amen? We get healed when we get alone with individuals. Amen? Why? Because we talk. And when we're able to express ourselves with somebody individually, it's a healing process that takes place. Because you start to get liberated because it's been on your chest so long. You get healed. Crowds won't heal you. Crowds won't heal you. That's you today. 
I'm telling you, crowds won't heal you. Jesus will. Get alone with him. Get along with somebody else. And I'll say it like this, and I don't mean it in any way bad, but some of you might need professional help. And that's okay to get some professional help and guidance. That's awesome. But crowds won't heal you. When you get along with God, you're going to learn something about God that you're not going to discover in the presence of many. We try to get to understand who God is. When are you getting along with him? So you can understand what he's trying to say to you. Jesus gets the man outside of the crowd. I guess the question is, real fast, is uh, what crowds are you involved in? Crowds aren't going to heal you, so what are you involved in? Jesus is trying to get you along with him, and you think that being a part of a crowd is where you're going to find your healing. Healing only comes in the presence of the Savior. We can think that being a part of any kind of crowd is going to be our healing, but true healing comes when we back out of the crowd and have a one-on-one -on -one with the Savior of the world. Jesus is it. The next part says, Jesus put his finger into the man's ears and spit and touched the man's tongue. Holy junk. Jesus. Now, hold up. Look, I got to wrap my mind around this. I get putting your finger in the ear, giving a little wet willy, whatever. But Jesus, stick your tongue out. And now, I can barely handle like a good slobbery kiss from a child of mine when they're little. And they're like, I love you. And you're like. Jesus spits in his hand and slaps the tongue. Man, Jesus be thrown in jail. COVID. COVID-19, Jesus. And you know what he'd do? He'd probably spit in his hand and slap somebody in the face. Like, back up. <laughs> flip a table, flip a jaw. Flip, no, that's... <laughs> Jesus slaps the man on his tongue. Wake up! Don't you love the word of God? I know we got to go, but don't you love the word of God? Like, but why do we make things weird? Like, some people don't believe in speaking in tongues, but donkeys can talk. That's cool. Well, we believe in something else, but we, we can't... We, we can wrap our mind around Jesus spitting in his hand and slapping a tongue, but we can't wrap our mind around something else. Like at times, there's just times I just say, like, there's just a lot of weird stuff in the Bible. And not saying that it's a bad thing. Like Jesus just is so OG. Like he's he going to disrupt the whole system. Because you know for a fact, what can Jesus do? Speak it into existence. If there was no tongue to slap, he would have been like, tongue, come out. Let me slap that. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? You know, you know when you're older, because you, you, this happened when you was younger, when your parents made you stick your tongue out so you can get a little soap on it. <laughs> Maybe I'm the only one. Mom, that wasn't nice. Okay, let me, let me finish. I'm, I'm landing it now. So he spits in his hand, 
and slaps the man's tongue. In the Middle Eastern culture, in this time period, saliva or spit was often seen as a healing agent or as a medicine. Now think about this. Think about this. In that time period, saliva or spit was considered to be a healing agent or a medicine. It makes you think about a lot of different scenarios that went down with some spit and saliva. Because there's a few of them in the Bible. I'll say this, write this point down. Medicine can benefit you. Some of y'all don't want to hear this one. Medicine can benefit you. And I know we're here trying to be like, oh, I better go, go call the doctor. I got to get on all these drugs now because he just said that. Medicine can benefit you. It's almost like Christ was trying to, uh, they, the, some historians were saying like almost in a way that Christ was kind of like tipping his hat towards it. Now we know he's the great healer. In reality of it all, many times it's the medicine that we need, not the medicine we want. Medicine can benefit. What I mean by that is, I guess what I would say is, what's your diet? How much are you sleeping? What's your lifestyle? How's your fitness routine? Like, what, what's going on in your life? Have you ever heard the phrase, that's good medicine for the soul? Again, sometimes it's medicine we don't need, but medicine, or medicine we need, but medicine we don't want. I guess it depends on the situation at hand. I know for a fact when my wife gave birth to the, the first one, when she had Nevaeh, she hemorrhaged, and I thank God for medicine. Because if it wasn't for that, she wouldn't have survived herself. Medicine can benefit you. There's a whole extreme, both sides here, that people, God has put doctors and people in, in, in pathways to do great things. The greatest healer is Jesus Christ. It can benefit you. It says that he looked up to heaven and he had a deep sigh. <sighs> and what I can tell you in this whole thing is that Jesus loves you. He loves you so much. Oftentimes we go through the darkest valleys and the one thing we forget is Jesus. Because here's the statements we make at times. That if God really loves me, why would he let this happen to me? If God really loves me, why would he let this heaviness settle me like this? Why would I be facing this today if God really loved me? I want to encourage you today that there's a God who is close to you. There's a God who is close to the broken. His name is Jesus. And what's crazy is before the man even got healed, Jesus looks up to the sky and takes a deep sigh. Takes a deep sigh. <laughs> if I can tell you anything, look up. Maybe you've looked down your whole life. Look up. Psalm 121, 1 and 2, it says, I lift up my eyes to the mountains. 
Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. Church, look up. And it says that he breathed. It said that he sighed. Can I say something about sighing? Sighing more often has a negative meaning. You ever had a kid sigh? <sighs> Boy, I knocked the sigh right at you. <sighs> Most of the time, sighing has a negative meaning. It usually means to sigh with relief or, or with a groan. And, and in Romans 8, it, it talks about how the earth is groaning and eager and ex with expectation of the sons and daughters to be revealed in the earth. The earth groans. I want to encourage you today. Listen, if you got out of bed today in a sigh, if you came to church sighing, if you're sitting here wondering why I said we're going to close five times sighing, if, you, you want the mic, sir? I heard you. If your kids got you sighing, if your marriage feels like a sigh, if people are on your case and all you do is sigh, let me encourage you that sighing is still breathing. Sighing is still breathing. Jesus looked up, Father, which means be open. And in that moment, his ears were open and his mouth was loose. His tongue was loose and he was able to speak. Hallelujah. They say that one of the healthiest, you're your healthiest when you are able to communicate which you are up against. Stand with me, church. I'm, I'm done. Now I'm making you stand. I'm sorry. There's so much good stuff, I can't help it. You're your health, healthiest when you're able to communicate. I'll say this, church. God does not leave you. I love what David says. David says, if I make my bed in the heavens, you're there. And he also says this, which messes up a lot of people. But if I make my beds in the depths of the earth, you are still with me. If I make it in heaven, you're with me. If I make it in the depths, you're still with me. You're here today. And if you are here today, and you are all the way on the side of thoughts of suicide, and you think that God's not even close to you right now, there's no way he can hear me. There's no way he's near. I'll say this. He's never been any closer than right now. In this moment. Right here. Some of you just getting the revelation that Jesus truly loves you. And if that's you. I'm telling you. Just take a deep breath. You know how we talk about at times we say like. You know, we're, we're, you know, we're thriving, we're moving, we're good, you know, everything's, we say that. We're excited about what God is doing, but I really believe there is some season and some moments in people's life that is all about surviving. You ever been there where you just felt like you're just surviving it? Am I the only one on that one? 
couple of you. If that's you today, surviving right now, and as that's where you are, just breathe. If surviving is where it's at, just, just breathe. There are people whose life hangs in the balance. There's kids speaking in tongues, but we were upset about God, smacking tongues. The best thing, I'm just glad he's in a room. He might have just disrupted you. If you can't focus through a child, you need to figure it out. I'm going to keep preaching whether he's speaking in tongues or not. Go ahead. Um, as I close, the thing I want to say is just come back. You know what I mean? Like when we deal with this kind of stuff, if we can just get you to next week. Sometimes surviving is where we're at. I'm not saying everybody's in that mode, but if we can just get to next week. And I'm telling you, these next couple Sundays, and we're going to get right into the whole new year. Do you realize that that's about to happen in the next couple weeks? If we can get you to next week. Silence doesn't protect you. The crowd won't heal you. Medicine can benefit you, and Jesus loves you. Amen. So here it is. We inhale your grace. We exhale faith. We inhale love, his love, and we exhale action. We inhale mercy. We exhale belief and responsibilities. We inhale grace and we exhale his praises. We inhale grace and we exhale his praises. I'm going to pray and Daniel's going to sing this as you leave. It's so powerful. It's a song we wrote. Actually, Jen wrote. Uh, it's called Close. You know my heart better than anybody else. You love me more than any other. And basically, she wrote this in a time of what we're talking about. And I want it to be encouraging to you that, like I said, don't be silent. Get alone with God. Find somebody you can talk to. And he loves you so much.